Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome to Urban Pitch, the beautiful game of life. Uh, we have Ryan Torero here today. Did I pronounce your name, last name correctly? Ryan Torero. Torero. Close enough. Okay, close enough. Torero. All right, <laughs> welcome. I'm going to give you a brief uh, introduction to people out there. Thank you. So you are a professional goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also do some modeling. Yes. And you're also in the fashion industry, you say? Yeah, I definitely work in that area as well. Okay, so let's tackle it like one at a time. Can you kind okay. of go into your uh, soccer background? Yeah, so um, I'm from California, born and raised from LA. Um, I played on a great club team. We were some, one of the best in the country called Real SoCal. Um, we won championships outright. And then from there, I got recruited to play college. Um, I think growing up in LA, I was just sick of the traffic in the city and, you know, all the noise, and I really wanted to try something different. Uh, so I had a number of scholarship offers, and on a whim, I picked University of Wyoming. Okay. So I'm going from a city mm-hmm. and state with that's the most populated in the country to the least populated state where there's more buffalo than people. Were you... So... Okay. Were you... Hoping to uh, go outside, out state, out of state. I did want to go out. Of, I did want to go out of state. I wanted not just a, a great athletic experience, yeah. but I also wanted a collegiate experience as far as just traveling. You know, seeing different people, being in a different culture. I had always been in LA, and I wanted something different. Right. I've always kind of had that mentality about me. To, you okay. know, so you weren't shooting for like USC or UCLA, like as absolutely a, not. Up. I yeah. did not. The only school that I liked was Pepperdine. That okay. was local. I didn't like any of the Northern California schools. Okay. I talked to San Francisco. I talked to other schools, but I liked Pepperdine. Um, is it because of the location and next to the beach and all that? Um, I liked the coach. The beach mm-hmm. was cool, but I grew up here, so it was nothing okay. new. But also, the person who trained me in foyer was the goalkeeping coach there. So there oh, was an was. appeal to where I could train with him four or five days of the week, mm-hmm. you know? So I would progress at a faster pace than just training with him once or twice a week. Okay. But um, I preferred to go out of state and, and try something different. So, so you, you were there at uh, I went to Wyoming. Wyoming. Um, I liked it. I had some issues with the coaching staff right before I went uh, to preseason day one. My freshman year, the uh, about two weeks before the whole coaching staff left, okay. so the coaching staff, I, I, yeah, the, the coaching staff I committed the to, to okay. changed. They, okay. I don't know, they went to another school. Right. I think that you know they just kind of moved. They had a life change, so mm-hmm. I had a new coaching staff I had never met before, mm-hmm. and they were great. Um, maybe wasn't necessarily someone that I would have committed to had I been recruited by them. Mm-hmm. So after two years, I decided to push my career further and move to Campbell University in North Carolina. Um, which I loved, absolutely loved. Very, okay. very small school, totally out of my element. Private school. Private school, okay. Baptist Christian University, it's completely different than the LA lifestyle. Okay. Um, what area, is that closer to like Charlotte area? Right by Raleigh. Char- okay. Yeah, so we were in the Triangle. We were right by um, yeah. North Carolina State. Yeah. We had the Tar Heels there, Wake Forest, um, Duke. Wilmington, Duke. Yeah, so we played Virginia schools. We would play all those schools and, you know, preseason tournaments and stuff, which was great for me seeing a different type of soccer than just a West Coast kind of soccer. You know, Midwest, East Coast soccer is different, you know. So um, it progressed my game. Mm -hmm. I met a lot of international players and a lot of international coaches, which ultimately later on helped me move internationally to go play. It's all about connections, right? Everything everything in the world is connections and networking. Um, You've got to be good, but you've got to know people as well. So, uh, yeah, no, I just... uh, I loved it. It developed my game and it pushed me uh, in a place where I wasn't 
really ready to go, which is a good thing. I grew. Um, and then I had met someone who knew uh, uh, Anna Piccarelli, mm -hmm. who was on Pally Blues. Mm -hmm. So that connection um, led me to Pally under Charlie Nemo. Okay. So I, uh, 2011, I trained with them for the last few games of their season, um, which then prepared me for the 2012 season in the summer. Um, so then I joined Pally Blues in 2012. I was playing with Anna Piccarelli, the other, the other keeper. And yeah. we had How some was that? great players. It like, you know, Pally Blues, most of the top, uh, college players in California, maybe, or mm -hmm. have gone through Pally Blues. Yeah. And it seems like Pally Blues just runs over all the other teams. So was it fun? Like, it's like 4 0, <laughs> 5 0 every game? That's I what it seems like. I completely agree with you. That's yeah. pretty much what happens. Yeah, you guys ran over yeah. everybody, right? Yeah. And almost every year you guys are winning a championship. Yes. So is that fun? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not competitive. No. Okay, it's uh, not competitive. If I look back at the yeah. games that I've played throughout my career yeah. and I just close my eyes and imagine them, it's never those games that I see. Uh -huh. It's always the games that are, you know, 1 1, 1 0, 2 right. 1, right. even 3 2, where it's a back and forth game. Those are the games that you remember. So, from a fun perspective, mm -hmm. No, it's not the best. You know, okay. you you want to play against a team that competes with you. It makes you better. Yeah. But from just a resume building standpoint, yeah. it's a good thing. So. Okay. Do you, is it because California has a lot of uh, girl soccer players growing up in this area, and then Pally Blues just happened to be the only kind of competitive team during that history of soccer? Is that why so many uh, top-notch players went through Pally Blues? I think that California has one of the best developmental leagues and mentalities for women's soccer, okay. men as well. Um, but primarily there's so many female, phenomenal female athletes coming out of here. We also have some of the best female universities, women's teams. You have UCLA, USC, Pepperdine, you have the San Diego schools. You have, I mean, you have California schools, you have San Francisco, Berkeley, Stanford, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then up the West coast, even you have good right. schools. So California has always been a hotbed and a hot pocket for women's soccer. Um, our national team trains here. That's a big thing. If they're here, you can watch them. You, yeah. you have more little girls dream about it, want to do it, train hard for it, you know? So I also think Charlie Nemo is, Charlie Nemo is a phenomenal recruiter. Really? That has a lot to do what's with his, it. What's his, uh, recruiting pitch like? I don't know. He's just... I don't know. I think he knows a lot of people and yeah. he's just, you know, he's going to make you better. Yeah. And he's just a really good recruiter. You know, sometimes people just, they just have it. I can't really explain it. Comes but across the yeah. right way, like, I want to play on I this team. Yeah. You know, okay. he's going to make you better. You know, he's going to push you. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be competitive. You're not going to get away with anything. There's no laziness that's going to be allowed. And as a competitive player, mm -hmm. that's what you want. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I think I think that you know those two combinations created right. Pally Blues and the and the the dynasty that was Pally yeah. Blues. Okay. Yeah, and then after well, they're not no longer around. So yeah. then, where did your folded. career go from there? So after Pally folded, um, there were two. Uh, well, LA Strikers was one of the better options. Okay. So um, most a lot of the Pally girls actually kind of transferred, transferred out to LA Strikers. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, Shauna, we had Rachel Daly, we had Sydney Vermillion, who actually played in Switzerland as well. And, you know, uh, we had some really great players from England come over, Rachel, Laura Coombs. So that team developed, and um, Tracy Kevins was the coach of that team. I know a lot of people will say this as well. Tracy Kevins is one of the best coaches out there, okay. hands down. I The knowledge that I gained from playing under her was immeasurable compared to other coaches. It's interesting you say that uh, because I would have thought uh, 
because goalkeeping position is so individual, right? It it's is. so specialized it that uh, you wouldn't really say that about just kind of like a head coach. Because you're not really connected with them on yeah. a day-to-day practice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, situation. I agree. Um, we do train on our own. We're always kind of, you know, kicked over to the goalkeeping pit, right. and we do our own thing, and yeah. then come in when they're shooting or it's time to play. Yeah. And I'm right, ready for you now, right? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> we need someone to shoot yeah, on, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just go stand in there and fly around. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, she, I think it's, it's, you know, I didn't work with her very much on a practice by practice, you know, um, place, but. Just the way that she wrapped her words and the way that she formulated her sentences around issues that we needed to f- needed to fix in the game during halftime, mm-hmm. before and after games, you know, um, her motivating her motivational skills were phenomenal. Right. She was able to make the team um, a unit, and you know, she we we bonded really well. It's just. As a coach, it's not just one thing. You can be a really good technical trainer and not be able to bring a team together. You can right. be a really good motivator and not know what the heck you're doing tactically. Right. But I, I personally, my opinion, she really encompassed everything. Okay. And I saw myself excel playing for her. And a lot of players from that team went forward to do great things. I mean, Rachel Daly is yeah. doing phenomenal. Right. You know, She smashed her, her collegiate season after that. Yeah, she so, was a high draft pick. She was like pick number yep, four. Yeah, at St. Like John's that. from pick number four. I think yeah. four or six. Yeah, four yeah. or six, yeah. can't remember what number, but yeah, yeah so um, that was a great season. We actually took a second in West in the conference, unfortunately. Um, but then from there, I got recruited because, you know, because we did so well and, you know, I had met a lot of international players and just connect and networking and I actually had a couple offers to play overseas and I decided instead of continuing to play in USA, mm-hmm. I'd rather take the experience, right. the chance, go see a different type of football in another country. So what, what are all the different countries uh, that you've played in abroad so far? So competitively, I've played yeah. uh, mostly in Switzerland yeah. and then I went up and um, spent a little bit of time with Essie Freiburg in Germany okay. and that was a great experience. Um, that was a very diff- tough experience. They were very fast. Okay. It was the game a f- is fast? fast game okay. at Freiburg. Very fast game. Okay. How, um, does, that, how does that affect a, a goalkeeper so much? You got to be on your toes every second. A so shot can just, come off I at see. any moment. So it's kind of like EPL where a shot's over here and all of a sudden, 10 seconds later, the shot's over yeah. here and then comes back. It's yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. Well, and you can't, I mean, a shot can come at any second. I mean, those girls can hit a ball 40 yards on target. Okay. So they're not. Where they want. Right. So they're you know? not doing this intricate uh, building up a play and taking 45 seconds for the shot to come out and you can see Germany I've always respected Germany's game though um they built up pretty well um I would say that Switzerland was actually more of a big ball game and maybe England is more of a big ball game but when I played with the German team everything we did in training was uh was very technical very small spaced very fast paced one two touch only And that, I mean, that's part of the reason why their game was so quick. You know, they're, they're training in small spaces. They're playing quickly one, two touch passes here and there before they get a shot off. Right. They don't, they don't take the, you know, the dribble, the, you know, the showman route yeah, <laughs> down yeah. the field. Yeah, yeah. They don't, <laughs> but, yeah, they're not trying to do like Neymar type moves, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. How, how well respected are female players, pro players, especially mm-hmm. in Switzerland and Germany and, and where you played at? Um, I think it's definitely, it depends on how, how well known and respected the league is, the men's league, not the female league. Okay. So Bundesliga. So the Bundesliga is one of the best in the world. Okay. Not only is it one of the best in the world, but did you know that they, they average the highest attendance per game in the entire world? For men or women? For, for For, men. For men. Yeah. Yeah. The average attendance for Bundesliga is higher than any league. Yep. Yeah. So, um, 
So let's compare. I mean, to just that. like a Borussia, Borussia Dortmund's <laughs> yeah. stadium, which electrifying. But yeah. um, but no. So I think it. I think a lot of it depends on how, at least in my experience, yeah. how how well respected and well known the men's league is. Okay. So if you're you know playing for. Wolfsburg or you're playing for Freiburg or you know Munchen or you know whatever and people know the men's side yeah. then yeah. they're automatically gonna go oh wow that's right. so cool there's a female team so the respect will translate over to the and, women's exactly side. same okay. in England you, know, you have Lady Arsenal you have Chelsea yeah. you have Liverpool okay. um, and the respect kind of transfers over in okay. Switzerland yeah. Not, there no, are their domestic leagues on the men's side is not like you know, it's just not well known. There well. are some teams like okay. FC Basel. Okay. You have Zurich. You okay. know these are two teams that make it into UEFA Champions League on the men and women's side all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, not Basel so much anymore. We beat them, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. So you know people know those two teams internationally, but your smaller teams like Gatesy, you know Young Boys, Lucerne, Lausanne, they don't really know these teams. So in those areas. When you say you're a professional athlete as a yeah. female, one, their eyes are shocked. Okay. You know, they're they're shocked. Even in Europe, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay. But and then you say, you know, what team you're on, and you know, if they don't know your team, they're even more shocked because they didn't even know that was possible. Mm-hmm. You know, but definitely in Germany and England, and I think um, maybe in Italy, you know, you have Roma females. It's a lot. You're a lot more maybe well known okay. and respected. Um, it's not such a shock factor. Okay. You know, so. And how long were you in uh, each respective country? So I was in Switzerland for the 2000 and 2014, or sorry, 2013, 2014 season. Okay. Um, so was it almost a year that you were there? Over a year. Over yeah. a year. Okay. Yeah, it was great. I loved how it. the lifestyle there? The Swiss are an interesting breed of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very welcoming and kind. Some of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, but they're peculiar because okay. the Swiss, they don't, I mean, they have definitely have a culture, but it's such a small country surrounded by giant countries, Germany, Italy, France, that those cultures kind of bleed into the Swiss culture. Okay. And the Swiss culture is a blend. It's a complete blend. So you're in Northern Switzerland and it's very Deutsch inspired. Mm-hmm. You're in, you know, Western Switzerland and it's French inspired. The language is French, mm-hmm. you know, in Lausanne, Lucerne and Basel, it's French. Mm-hmm. You go to Lugano in South Switzerland and it's a cross between Italian and it's just, they're peculiar because they're a blend from, you know, all these different countries around them. Um, so I think maybe sometimes they're a little confused. <laughs> okay. So it might be so kind of like, kind. it sounds kind of like LA where you're kind of going through West LA and then you go to... Maybe, exactly. Yeah. It you changes. Know, you have so many different cultures that yeah. there's no identity that people are kind of mixing and trying to understand the other people all the time and where they're from, what their background is. But it's 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 interesting at the same time because in one country mm-hmm. you can experience three, four, five different cultures and you're in the same country and okay. it's tiny. So then describe like a, a typical day or week when you were there and you were on the team. Okay. Yeah. Like how much are you training and then how much are you sightseeing and kind of that kind of thing. Sightseeing is yeah. pretty rare. Um, okay. You just uh, didn't have the time? I'm sorry? You didn't have the time? Well, yeah, we, we just didn't really... I mean, if you have an off day mm-hmm. as an athlete and you know, when you're training you know, five days a week and then you're playing uh, one, two days yeah. a week, depending you on your schedule, well, you have out. a Sunday afternoon off and okay. you're like, I got to do laundry, I'm going to eat, mm-hmm. I want to relax. Um, every once in a while when there's World Cup qualifiers or breaks or national you know, pools, we'll have a week or two of a gap you can take the opportunity to actually go see something, which is okay. awesome. You right. know, it's part of the reason why you want to go to these different well, countries. How, how, long is, how long was the season for? So the season was about 
eight to nine months. Okay. Um, and long. then you had your, yeah, but it was broken up. So okay. in Switzerland, it's very, very cold during the winter months okay. and you, they don't really have a lot of indoor places. So right. they would have to shut down the season during the snow months. Okay. So for December and January, you, you had nothing. Okay. Because, Are you training during that time too? Um, they the give team? you a, you they give you a training plan. Okay. Um, you have the option to stay with the team, or you can go home and see your family. Okay. A lot of and since the team was so international, a lot of them would go home to see what their did, family. What did you do? I went to England. Okay. Yeah, I have what a was friend. It? Oh, so you stay with a friend. Yeah, you? I have a friend there. She plays on Chelsea at the time. Okay. Um, so I went to England. And I have some other friends there that I know um, that play as well, and I went and saw some some of the matches out there, um, pro matches in the Premier League. So yeah. I got I you know I decided to take advantage of being out there and. And uh, see some football in some other countries. Okay, so it sounds like they take it pretty seriously, though. Yeah, right? you're training like five days, five days out of the week, and so, then you get a day off, and then one day for yeah. A, a so games. a typical week, um, you have first of all Monday is usually a recovery day. Sunday to Monday is recovery day, depending okay. on when your game was. If it was on a Saturday, Sunday is your recovery day. Mm-hmm. If it was on a Sunday, Monday is your recovery day. So. Okay. Monday is usually recovery in the morning. So you'd go to a massage therapist. Um, Sounds pretty good. I, I can get down with that. It's it's great until it's okay. an athletic massage. Oh, okay. And then it's no Sports joke. Sports massage is different, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, imagining, I'm imagining in my head like a nice blonde <laughs> Swedish woman. Peaceful just, music, yeah, hot stones on your back. Yeah, I, can, I can get with that. You know what? I would yeah. go every single day if that were the it case. But that's not it? No. <laughs> okay, so they're like breaking you down. Yeah, yeah they're trying the to get rid of all that buildup, yeah. that fluid buildup in your muscles. Yeah, get rid of all that. It's not fun okay. but um all right so that's okay destroyed my you feel like yeah. a noodle after so okay. it's a good thing it's a good for a bad mm-hmm. but uh no so we would go to a massage therapist and he would kind of work out the soreness that mm-hmm. we you know gained through the weekend and uh, built up through the weekend and then we'd have a monday recovery pra- uh, recovery practice mm-hmm. on monday evening kind of like a loose yeah, thing. just okay. play a lot, you know, not really, maybe shoot a little bit, not really anything too strenuous, no fitness, you know, um, nothing too strong for the, you know, the mental side, just kind of recover. Okay. Tuesday, back at it. So okay. Tuesday, you know, we would have weightlifting in the morning, at okay. athletic training, as they would say, in, okay. you know, up north. <laughs> okay, so what time is have, that uh, We'd go about 10, 9 or 10, 10 a.m. to so about you, noon. Were you waking up? Um, it depends how quick, if you needed the sports med room or not. Okay. So if you had to do some kind of physical therapy, you'd obviously be in there before. Okay. Um, but we usually wake up, have breakfast, go to training. <laughs> okay. Are so, these, are you, and how's the housing then? Is it on your own? You know, or did a team hook you up and you find a, you know what I mean? Do you have roommates out of that? Right. So when you're, you know, unless you're making a significant amount of money mm-hmm. per season to afford housing, your travel, food, it starts to add up. Okay. So a lot of times, and this is what the Women's Pro League here in USA does. Mm. They did it, they do it in England and Germany. Um, yeah. They house you. So right. they either have host, host families, families right? Yeah. right, host families, which I was with a host family who yeah. I'm still very close with. You, yeah. you form relationships with a lot of times with these right. people. Who's the host family? Let's give a shout out to the host family. <laughs> He's about 80 years old okay. and from Hamburg, uh, Germany okay. and his name is Dieter. Okay. So how did he become <laughs> But we became a, best friends. Yeah, how did he become my host? Like if I'm an 80 year old guy and it sounds like he didn't have a wife, I'm okay with like, you know, nice hot, you know, female players coming and staying with me and I don't know, you know, I'm sure it was, you know, proper on that, but you know, it's, he's got nothing he, else going on. He was an, a sweetheart. He yeah. used to play with oh, the okay. owner of the club. So he's connected through that. So and he's a lot a of times, of right. Yeah. So a lot of times it's people who either have had previous athletes playing for it or you know they're a family friend or a previous teammate of one of the managers owners or sponsors or whatnot it's just all through connections okay so he lived by himself and he had like a house with a couple extra rooms yeah exactly so he would house you know one or two of us which is 
awesome. Um, Or they would do a community apartment. So um, the club would rent out or purchase, depending on, you know, what the club decides. Um, So was it your choice? Was it your choice to to stay there? I preferred living, I preferred staying with the host family uh, instead of just living with the apartment for two reasons. One, I'm with these girls every day, all day long, traveling nine hours on the road. I really like to to get out and have a break. (laughs) Two, Living with a host family, not just with your other international teammates, you were able to see a part of the culture from a normal sense that yeah. you didn't really get to experience if I'm yeah. just in a house with my teammates. Okay. You know, so, you know, I would go to his local market with him and help mm-hmm. him shop on a Sunday morning if I didn't have a game, you did, know? Did and you think you were like his granddaughter or something? Sometimes, except yeah. I don't look like him at all. <laughs> you know, typical blonde yeah. hair, polite German. But yeah, plus you're tall. You're, yeah. Well, how tall are you? I'm 5'9". Okay, and how, how tall is uh, the, the gentleman? He was about... Mm, six foot yeah okay. so you can so, pass for yeah, yeah yeah from another country but, that he was hiding all the yeah time. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so he uh you know i just got to see a different side of the culture and okay. get to know someone from there who grew up there right. on a personal level which made my experience more enriched yeah. in my opinion awesome. so i okay. loved it and i now have a friend you know yeah. who you know if i go back and visit which i do every year you know i, I go a couple times a year to europe yeah. i drop in and say hi He's like a grandfather figure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Theater is awesome. All right. So you're staying at a host family and then you're having training. So Tuesdays yeah. and Wednesdays, that's when it starts to get. Yeah. You grind. pick up yeah. and then you peek down and okay. then you have the game. That's usually it. That's okay. a solid training plan. So we would do, you know, sports training and then uh, athletic training, the gym, mm-hmm. um, and then team training Wednesday, another recovery mm-hmm. um, in the morning just to balance you out in a very hard Wednesday session. How many hours is this per day? I would say about Four to six hours of actual training yeah. a day, including, you know, sports med room, physical therapy, mm-hmm. whether it's massage or um, the gym, you know, athletic, yeah. athletic, athletic workout, and then the team training on the field, goalkeeping training mm-hmm. before that or after it. Okay. I would say about, yeah, about six av- average okay. hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes less, sometimes more, depending on the day, but it, it can it can compare to a certain extent to a part-time or full-time job sure. I mean there's not much time you have you have a couple hours in between really yeah. that's just lunch relax take a shower and you're back on the field okay so so then afterwards like in the evening time mm-hmm. what are you doing you're in a foreign country you're thousands of miles away from home it's going like to bed because I have yeah. training in the morning <laughs> really for the most part well you know we play on the weekends we would usually mm-hmm. play on a Friday or Saturday okay. sometimes a Sunday depending on the team schedule but mm-hmm. You know, so as far as going out is concerned and really experiencing the night side of the country, you don't get a huge experience of it. Sometimes if you have a day off, you go out for a movie or dinner with your teammates or whatnot. But for the most part, I mean, in season, you're in season, you know, and when you're off season, you're either seeing your family, wherever that may be, you know, or you're trying to recover from an injury, you know, whatever that may be, or, or you're taking advantage and going to sightsee a little bit. So in season, just like a collegiate season here, I mean, that's your job. You know, yeah. it's it's your job at the end of the day. You know, sure. you may not be getting a huge check, you yeah. know, as you're, a female, you're but you're still getting paid. Yeah, you're, at, you're, yeah. you're treating it like a professional. Absolutely. So, Did you have a part-time job? You know, sometimes they do that, right? Usually not during in-season, though, It depends. Right? Yeah. yeah, in-season you can't. You travel yeah. so much, right. you know, every week, over the weekend you're out, you're out of the city okay. and on the road. But um, the American girls, if you're in country, so if you're American playing in the American League, right. if you're a German playing in the German League or England, you know, a lot of those girl, those athletes mm-hmm. do have to have a part-time job to support right. them playing. Right. Subsidize their career, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you're a foreign athlete, mm-hmm. uh, international player, 
you you usually don't because it, you have to go through a whole process of a work visa. Yeah. Options are much H1, more limited. Yeah, it's just yeah. so difficult. Oh, yeah. um, they might help you out with, you know, you might help out at the at the physical therapy room after, you know, but you really you really like can't. It's like a work study program, like when you're in college, if right, if yeah. there's anything available, right. the team will kind of help you out right. with something, right? Right, but okay. usually you can't because then you'd have to. You can't just have a player's visa. You've yeah. got to have a work visa, and that's a whole nother ball game. Okay, you know, and for the club to pay for that on mm -hmm. top of your expenses, it starts to become a money game, also. So, okay. a lot of times internationally. Unless you have a dual visa. Yeah, it's just not feasible. It's just not feasible. Exactly. Okay. So how long were you in Germany for then? I was only in Germany for about a couple months. Okay. Um, you did get to play a little bit. You said. Yeah, I went up to okay. SC Freiburg and I trained with them. Mm -hmm. um, it was a great experience. That was probably one of the better teams that I've ever played on. Um, yeah. They was, were. Was that just training only? Yeah, I just went, went over there and trained. Was I, it during their season? I wasn't no? able to play in the season. Okay. They, I was already mid-season. Okay. Um, everybody was all, already rostered. Mm -hmm. um, I had gone up there at the closing end of their season to train and prepare for the following year. Okay. Um, so I I loved it. The yeah. girls were so welcoming. Yeah. Um, the game was so fast. Mm -hmm. um, Freiburg is beautiful. Totally different culture than Switzerland, you know. So it was a great experience. I learned a lot from that from playing with them. Okay. Yeah, it was gorgeous. So then, in the Black Forest. So that's the uh, country that it sounds like you would want to go back to. I would love to go play in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, I would also love to go play in some of the Nordic countries. Okay. I've heard great things about Sweden. I've had a lot of teammates go and play in Sweden, and they've said that they love the league. Swedish people are generally very happy and welcoming. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a league I would love to play in. I would love to play in the Australian league. Mm -hmm. I've heard some great things about them from Sasha Andrews and other players who have gone down and play there. Mm -hmm. um, these are probably the two leagues that I would like to play in as well as Germany. Okay. Uh, the three, excuse me. So... Yeah, we'll see though. We'll see what what's to come in a year. Right. Okay. So what about what are you up to now then? So you're telling me about the the accident that you were just yeah. recently involved in, right? You want to just kind of briefly tell us? Yeah. yeah. So um, I uh, played with uh, Santa Clarita Blue Heat, which is now the only USL women's team okay. in California. Right. Uh, we just wrapped up our season um, in July. Successful season. Successful season. National championships. Yeah. Yep. And um, in September, I got in a pretty terrible car accident. Mm -hmm. I was coming on the 101 freeway southbound after coaching. I was running a session, and yeah. I was with my coworker, my co-coach, and friend. Mm -hmm. um, and we were driving down the, the 101 and the freeway in the fast lane, and uh, an individual in a car up ahead. About I hadn't seen this happen, but they had been pulled over for speeding by a CHP officer. They pulled to the left fast lane instead of to the right slow lane, emergency shoulder. So they're in the right by the center divider, and the officer pretty much told him, I mean, this is not a safe place for you to be. You need mm -hmm. to get back on the freeway and get to the slow shoulders. You cannot, you can't be in the center divider stopped here. Right. So I come around the corner, come around the freeway bend, um, up the Camarillo grade and they drove instead of merging, gaining appropriate speed, merging, merging yeah. over with your clicker, excuse yeah. me. They just drove straight across the freeway perpendicular to all the lanes. Right. So I come around the bend and so lucky that I didn't T-bone them, you know, and hit them dead on. I turned my wheel. No, I hit them, and I'm so lucky, thankful yeah. that I reacted quick enough, you know, and mm -hmm. I was paying attention, not changing music, yeah. you know. And you were on your phone? I was not. Okay. I had two hands on the wheel, which right. I'm usually changing music. Right, right. Really weird. Everything happens for a reason, okay. I'm telling you. So uh, I hit them, and I went my driver tire to their passenger yeah. tire. You know, I missed her in the passenger seat. 
by only a few inches. Yeah, it was a you horrific know. accident, right? It was pretty. It was pretty traumatic and awful. Yeah. Your yeah. car flipped in the air. I it acted as a ramp. I hit yeah. them kind of on a diagonal, and yeah. I flipped clear over the top of their car. You yeah. know, Fast and Furious style. Right. And um, I can joke about it now, but yeah. it was not funny then. For sure. And That's we what hit. comedy is, by the way. Yes, yeah, comedic relief. Yeah. No. Co- yeah, but comedy is tragedy plus time. Oh, that's interesting. I've yeah. never thought about that concept. Yeah, yeah. think about it. I like it'll, that. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll go in more later. I really like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what comedy is. Unfortunately, yeah. that's an unfortunate thing for comedy to exist then. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> but you take the most traumatic things, the saddest things in life, yeah. you add time to it, and then you laugh, and it's hilarious later. Wow, that's really... Yeah, I've never thought yeah. about that concept. I don't okay. know. I so, like it, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay but anyway so, yeah so, like, so i ramped over yeah, him fast and furious yeah flash and furious and you said your car flipped like in the air in the i was in the air so like, yeah our wheels we were bottom up wheels right, right did over your, did your passenger uh, so then right before you hit the car did you guys like both scream or something you know or was it too fast you guys didn't it have was way to too fast when we came around yeah. the bend i had maybe 30 meter 30 feet 30 mm-hmm. meter to, I know, to see it i mean it was uh playing experience kicking it right there with a 30 meter like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The american eyes like how far was that <laughs> like, yeah so how far was that i don't even know what <laughs> Like Eight centimeters on yeah, it was 100 feet then? Or um, what? No, it was very close. Okay. I would say, if we're talking football here, yeah. about about 30 yards. 30 yards. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, it was really close. Okay. I had no time. I mean, I came around to Ben and it was there. Right. You know, we rolled, we rolled three, four times and yeah, we landed really... on our, well, what was left of the tires and yeah. my car was just demolished and all the windows were blown out and yeah. um, we had no time to react. All I did, you know, was just think hold on just don't let go and thank god we had our seatbelts on you know so otherwise we would have been ejected like everything else was in in my car was ejected everything in center console and glove compartment was gone thrown my phone was thrown 30 40 feet from the car so and survived did you all your phone it made it are you still using the same phone yeah it's right there oh my gosh you see the crack yeah what is iphone or what yeah did you have a case on it no i did not you didn't Oh no, nope. and we didn't have a scratch on us, not a bruise. Right. The other people, not a scratch, visible, right. not a bruise. Um, yeah. Yeah. Car got total, but thank goodness iPhone's okay, right? Exactly. Yeah. What would I do? <laughs> right. No. No, Getting so off then, the grid is nice. Yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> did your life flash before your eyes, by the way? Absolutely. It did. Yeah. Because I, I got it's a into it's a, real a thing. really bad, uh, scary kind of car accident on the freeway one time, and mm-hmm. my life flashed before mm-hmm. my eyes as well. For me, yeah. I think... Didn't you think you are going to die then? Because once your life flashes before your eyes like that, that's it. and all these you, memories, yeah, you automatically it. assume, yeah. like, I'm dead for sure, right? Well, that's something that, you know, trauma is interesting because, yeah. and I've learned this through a traumatic experience, okay. um, it's not really, in, you don't, you have no idea what you're going through in the moment. Mm-hmm. Your body and your mind yeah. and your soul is just in complete shock. Yeah. And trauma is something that you feel you really feel the repercussions of what you go through after. after. Mm-hmm. And it could be a month after, five years after. Some people have an episode years after, you know? So um, I absolutely thought I was, you know, I was gone. And without a doubt, I, I saw people that I care about, you know, flash. And I saw memories yeah. and, what, you know. Did any childhood memories or whatever stand out in your, in your head? You know, I think mm-hmm. just there were some, it's so, so it was, fast. It's more like images of like. Yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. fast. It's so hard to pick it out. I, okay. For me, it's it was less specific images and more just an emotion, a feeling Feelings. of, I can't All believe this. Like yeah. I'm. It's going to end like this. Yeah, it's got to yeah. go like this. You know, I can't yeah. really believe that this is, I have so much left to do. Right. You know, my family. It was just all of that wrapped yeah. up in one millisecond of yeah. emotion and then you know you have to kind of in this situation you can't you got to just deal with it and yeah. then i you know i just i told myself hold on like mm-hmm. do not let go and uh and i did and um we came out alive yeah. which right. is 
and a miracle, yeah, truly. It is a miracle, right? Yeah. Just a fraction to the left or right or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, you could have. Yep. Yeah, could have Anything. And, car could have hit yeah. us when we were rolling. So there I mean, you and your passenger, the two in the other car, yes. and then everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's a miracle. No, truly yeah. a miracle. Um, my my coworker and co coach, she uh, she got knocked out. She sustained a concussion and she back was, injuries okay. as well. So she was unconscious. She doesn't remember anything until we landed, and mm. I actually, you know, the, the second we landed, I okay. was shocked that we were, I was still, you know, right. breathing. And, and then I, you know, yelled, are you okay? To her. My concern was her, you know, because I couldn't hear down? her. Was the car upside down? We time? landed upright. You landed upright. We landed correctly. Okay. So then yeah. after you got your bearings, you, My bearings, you exactly. made sure you were alive. Right. In one piece. Yeah. I made sure she was okay. And okay. Um, I started talking to her, asking her if she was okay, because her eyes were open and she right. seemed conscious, but she doesn't remember doesn't any work. of it. Okay. Nothing. So then... Uh, it's crazy. Part of the, you know, the, the police was already right there. Yeah. So then did he turn on his light so that yeah. another car isn't going to come and yeah. hit you yeah. guys? Yep, yep. That's my okay. primary witness, the okay. CHP officer. And then he, the whole freeway shut down. I mean, there was no driving. There were fragments yeah. of car everywhere. Right. There was no driving okay. at that point. And everybody behind who saw it, yeah. I mean, we had people stop yeah. because they're, and, and run to the car because yeah. it was they such a it. horrific thing to see and watch right. happen. I mean, you don't know what happened to these people. And, mm-hmm. I had, you know, this guy named Manny, he literally sprinted to the car and was, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? Screaming in the car. And, um, so that's another witness, but he, uh, yeah. So it's just mm-hmm. the fact that we stepped out of it. Yeah. It's crazy. Life is crazy. So your, <laughs> your life perspective must've. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Steve Jobs has this one, uh, I mean, he has a lot of good, uh, provoking, thought provoking type of mm-hmm. statements. But one thing that he said was, uh, you know, he, because he went through, you know, cancer mm-hmm. right before he did pass away, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it, it remission. But during that time, it allowed him to um, put the things into perspective that reflect. he really cares about and reflect, right? And he just said, if you know, if there's anything that uh, helps you to really sh- show you what you really care about and mm-hmm. what priorities are, is that kind of experience. Yes, absolutely. So that must have happened for sure, right? Absolutely. Um, when the, in the in the days after, you know, I obviously I reached out to the people that I know I care about and are important in my life and told them what happened and just informed them that, you know, you're probably going to hear and everything's okay and, you know, very lucky. But it also brings forth people from out of the woodwork that you wouldn't really expect. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody's experience and realization is different. I personally am very lucky. I've accomplished my dreams at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, I climbed the ladder to the top and played pro soccer and that's what my goal was, you know, and and then I've traveled, and, and I've really been someone who does what I want when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm, I if I want to travel and I, or if I want to have an experience, I do it. Mm-hmm. So as far as the regret, I didn't have. Mm-hmm. But it was more, for me, a relationship sense where I felt compelled to do better in my relationships, you know, whether it be friendships, romantic, family, mm-hmm. you know, any kind of work relationship. Um, I felt compelled after the fact you know, people were coming out and reaching out to me to make it a point to reach out to them also, you know, to better develop um, those relationships that I maybe have took for granted or have taken for granted in the last, you know, couple of years. You lose sight of people who played such an important role in your life and you don't necessarily have to be best friends with them every day and see them every day, but um, showing a greater appreciation for these people, it just, it just, it's better for your soul for theirs, you know, and that's something that I realized that I can and should do better. And it was really, really grounding for me. I mean, it it really 
shook, it shakes you, you know? Yeah, it's not, it hasn't it's been two changing. months. Yeah, it hasn't yeah, been two months, right? All. Yeah, I'm sure every day you wake up and it still affects you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, but you know, I'm a believer that everything happens for a reason, you know, good and bad. Um, and we just don't know it yet. But if anything, if anything, if that's all I take from this, then then that was my reason and I'm happy for it, you know, because it's pushed me to be a better person. Um, so. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So then you're kind of injured right now, right? Yeah. So I sustained, you know, no visible injuries, um, no God, life changing. Nothing to the face either, yeah. right? That's going to mess up your Thank modeling God. career, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but... Uh, I I, uh, I didn't have any actual life-changing injuries, which I'm so, so, so lucky for. Yeah. Um, but I definitely have some back injuries and um, a, a knee injury that's resurfaced now because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've got tissue tearing and straining and muscle tearing through my back. And I'm in physical therapy a couple of times a week, three, four times a week now. And it's just a day-by-day process. Right. Um, as far as playing is concerned, competitively at a high level, dealing with a season right now I just I could not mm-hmm. um I will get there I yeah. think I have the determination to get there and and I I have to play again it's right. in my blood so that's your goal though is to I heal would love, yeah and get back and then back to the playing ultimately mm-hmm. ultimately if I can get this healed within mm-hmm. a shorter time frame than I've been told mm-hmm. I would love to go play and I want to go play overseas again in one of those countries I'm also considering Iceland you know so um definitely want to go play again um I can't look too far too far ahead because I have to focus on my recovery now because it's not just a recovery for playing an accident like this it's different than just a broken leg or a broken arm you know it's this is an internal tissue injury this is something that can affect you for 20 years down the line so my recovery although for me in the back of my mind is for soccer (laughs) it's it's really for my future you know I have to take care of my back at this point so so yeah. And you're just a keeper for sure, right? You don't play out on the field? I love the field, okay. and I swear they should put me up top. I would okay. score a couple corners. I'm fearless in corners. That's my job. Okay. So I push my teammates all the forward. time. So you're secretly a forward in, in the body of a goalkeeper. Pretty much. No, I played. Uh, I actually played on the field until I was 14, 15. Okay. So what, what made you make that transition? I was really tall. Yeah. And just threw you back there yeah, <laughs> and well, our keeper and my little club team, you know, uh-huh. my youth club team had gotten injured, okay. and uh, we didn't have a keeper, and I was really tall and and kind of uh, fearless, you know, as far as getting into tackles and stuff. So they just said, "Go for it." And um, oh, I love the pressure. I don't know something about the pressure. So you enjoyed the pressure. I love it. Okay, that's yeah, that's the thing that I probably would hate the most, you know, as a non-keeper. But that's why yeah. keepers are just. Weird. A different breed, you right? Have a couple screws loose. Yeah, you yeah. have to be a different breed, right? Absolutely. Because you could just sit there for eighty minutes and you just grill for five seconds. Two second then, chaos. And everyone ha- hates you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that as well. Oh, yeah. there are so many phenomenal articles from yeah. hu- top, top, top keepers. I'm talking, I'm talking Con, you know, um, Neuer, top level goalkeepers talking about. Um, what it takes mentally, the mental capacity and strength it takes to be a right. keeper the psychological is, aspect of the game for is totally a different. Yeah, it's different from a regular player. Yeah. yeah. It might be comparable to You have to, to self-love. The... <laughs> you yeah. do because... Give me, give me an example of what you mean by that. Um, you really have to have a, a restart button, you okay. know, something that, you know, I grew up learning from Ian Foyer, but you okay. have to also self-love and self-appreciate because like you just said, you know, you can make one mistake you can have a great season yeah think about what was uh, the keeper in the world cup uh green the english keeper okay great season yeah. phenomenal keeper national team keeper 
makes one mistake, goes through his legs. Done. Right. You know, he's ostracized by football players around the world. Yeah. I mean, um, it's De Gea was almost, almost was pounded and hounded on, you know, for not being strong enough, experienced enough for the Premier League when he moved to United. Um, how do you think he got through that? Of course, he, you know, probably had support from his teammates and his coach, but to a certain extent, you have to have confidence in yourself as a keeper, regardless of what anybody says about yeah. you. Because Forget if there's it, move on, right? if there's one thing that's sure about goalkeeping, yeah. and this is I, I I love this concept, but if there's one one hundred percent sure thing about goalkeeping, mm-hmm. is that you will fail. Yeah, that's you true. will get scored on. Yeah. There's no way you're going to have uh, shut out every game, right? Not at all. For your yeah. entire career, it yeah. is impossible. impossible for you to have a, a shutout. Yeah. So if you go into the position knowing you're going to fail. Who does that? Yeah. You know? So you have to have the mental strength and capacity and the self-love to, to, <laughs> to willingly go do that yeah. and then deal with that it and then come back and yeah. do better, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's... Uh, sometimes it's not even your fault. <laughs> sometimes it's not even You're your right. fault. A lot of times, <laughs> yeah. actually. A lot of times, right? It's like the defense that let the, the you know, the forward all the yeah, way through exactly. and then the one-on-one shot and then everyone right. hits you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... Okay. um. But there's also a lot of glory in being a goalkeeper as well, which, you know, it's a a position of very, very high highs and very, very low lows. Do you like PK situations? Oh, penalties. Why does everybody ask this? Uh, uh, I'm so curious, you know, because non-keepers have no idea what's going on on the other side. I only know from my perspective. Um, Penalties. Yeah. Forget, okay, let's put aside just like the, like PKs at the end of a game, you know, penalty shootouts. Right. How about those situations? So a penalty shootout for, yeah. let's say, a national championship? Whatever games, you know? Yeah, something like that. You know? um, Whatever. Because they're usually they only happen in these large tournaments. Right, yeah. yeah. Significant yeah. games. Season games, you don't have them. Yeah, you don't right. have them. So... Do you, I mean, I don't, I don't think you look forward to it, but how are, how are you feeling in those situations? Obviously, yeah. you want to win the game in regulation. Okay. That is the ultimate sure. goal. Okay? okay? That's the most stress-free, happy yeah? goal. Okay. So you're but, not secretly hoping that it ends in a 1-1 tie so that you can be the star? <laughs> and then and save the and That's save a the striker's day. mentality. I don't know. That's well, a forward mentality. Okay, they I'm want sure all the glory and they want it to go yeah. their way for, yeah. for their glory. That's a striker's mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think when you go into a penalty shootout, yeah. you the advantage is, is with the... The advantage is with a forward for in that sure. scenario. In for real sure. game time, yeah. I would argue different. The advantage is with the keeper. In a regular game? In a regulation game, really? in real game time, I would argue that the advantage is with the keeper. Because of the whole psychological thing? Because you have nothing to lose, whereas they're expected um, to score? Not in the penalties, but okay. I'm talking in regulation. You have angles working oh, with yeah, you, yeah, you have yeah, pressure. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Penalties, yeah. different. Yeah, totally yeah, opposite. For sure. Every shot, you, there's less chance it's going to go in than a right. score. Right, exactly. Sure. Um, in the penalties, it's different. You go into it knowing that the forward and the, the, the shooter has the advantage. Yeah. So that's already defeating as is. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's there's a sense of freedom mm-hmm. and, and lightness, mm-hmm. you know, because all you can do is save it. Mm-hmm. And you only really, there's a, you know, a joke in, in the goalkeeping world, mm-hmm. just save one. Mm-hmm. Like your job, just get one. Yeah, you have five chances. So you have five chances yeah. and you just got to get one, right. one out of five. Right. That, that I mean, it's not great, but... Right. It's not one out of 10. It's yeah. not one out of 15, you 20%. know? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, that's what you go into thinking. Well, you know, you just, you got to get one. And if you yeah. can just get one, mm-hmm. you've done your job. And, and there's a sense of, you know, I can only save this. I can only do, I can only do well for my team because sure. at the end of the day, they have the advantage. Yeah. Um, 
And there's a lot of other things that can help give you confidence. You know, you you learn players if you as you play them through season. Maybe yeah. you've seen them take a penalty before. Right. You remember where they're going. There's pregame analysis. You definitely going into you know any tournament game where there's gonna any uh, fi- semifinal, quarterfinal, or final. You go into it studying what the other players are gonna do, where they generally take penalties. Okay. You know, and then there's tricks. You know, if they're right footed. And they line up this way, they're likely to go that way. And yeah. there are tricks and everything, and, and you can, but at the end of the day, they are very close. Um, they have you're very small when you're on the line, you know. So you just you go into it, at least I do, just get one. Just yeah. get one. You get one, you really knock down the confidence of the other team. Yeah. And it starts to go your way. Do you so. have any do you have any rituals? Like uh, Hope Solo's got some rituals. Like left, right, first, yeah. and then and then not only that, she does her she takes her sweet time, right? Yes, she, she does. messes with her water bottle, yep. jumps around, intimidates. I'm like, I would be intimidated to take it by the time <laughs> she's ready to go. You know what I mean? Like I could see what because it's all psychological, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's very, very psychological. Do you do that too? Do you try to like Um Oh man, sometimes these things are so mindless that yeah. you don't realize what you do. I know before okay. games, I always have to touch the crossbar. Okay. And I have to, I can't well, touch about, the bottom. I got to touch the top of it. Okay. I don't know well, why. What about bef- <laughs> uh, like before a PK? Do before you, a penalty. Yeah, do you have any specific things? Like I do take my time. Okay. I do not go yeah, on the line yourself. until okay. I'm ready. Yeah. Absolutely. And the re- it's not like the referee can say, hey, like, get, you know, no. they, they, just, they don't say yeah. anything, right? No. Yeah. So you, you can take, take 30 seconds, a minute, huh? Yeah. Okay. So I definitely take my time. Yeah. Um, make yourself big and all that yeah i also i would say that i i really like to just look at the player in the eyes if they'll look yeah. at me and just kind of yeah. i don't know yeah, that's i don't I never know look at the keeper's eyes I always always, <laughs> but I if they do that they're to... intimidated that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> that is true <laughs> but um yeah. yeah it's more i think for me in that and when you know when i'm in a penalty situation i'm just Really self-talking. Got to get one. Got to get one. Got to get one. Um, before the game, I, I, you know, I definitely, you know, put socks on first. Shin yeah. guards a certain way. Wrap right. it with certain pre-wrap. And what's the, the okay? What's the, what's the rule now? Like, because you can move from side to side on the line now, right? Can't come off the line. You can't right. come off the line, but you can move side yeah, to side anytime, of course. right? But then, and as soon as they kick the ball, then you can come off come the forward. line. Yeah. But then, you know, do you do like what most keepers do and cheat a little where you come off the line a little early? Mm-hmm. Every keeper does that. I've never seen a Maybe. referee say, hey, like, you came Maybe. off a little early, right? But that's the, what the advantage you have to do, right? Come off yes. the line and then cut the angle off? Well, it, okay, think yeah. about this from, from a safety perspective. Yeah. If you're diving on the line, what are you likely going to hit? Yeah, the pole. Yeah. Bang your head yeah. into the side post. So yeah. just from a safety perspective, you want to be off the line at right. least one step. Yeah. Um, you cannot wait... You can't wait for them to shoot to, and then go for it. To right? go forward because yeah. the shot's coming and you're not set yet. Yeah. You have to be set to get momentum to jump out sure. before they shoot. I mean, you, golden rule in goalkeeping be set before the shot, you are know? You, are you guessing? Do you have a Okay, so then do you have a you set way? You can react or guess. Do you react? Do you react or do you guess? I personally react. You react. So you, I you don't say react. I'm going to go right based on his and then or you know what I mean? I'm I go personally right no react. That oh, is so a very that. that is a personal preference. Really? I personally react. Some keepers totally guess and okay. just wing it. Um, so you guess. I, I mean, you don't guess. You I react. react. Yeah. So then you know how if a person's lined up a certain way and mm-hmm. then you have an intuition like it looks like he's going to go to my right. You still kind of do you lean? Do you start scooting over a little bit? No way, because then they'll play it the other way. A good player, mm-hmm. a good player, and this is the higher the higher you go, mm-hmm. a good player will recognize if you're moving early and go the opposite direction. Right. They'll it's, weight change it's you. It's really tough though to do that. It's hard. Yeah. If you're guessing, mm-hmm. you cannot go early. <laughs> yeah, I've had because then they'll read you. I've had a goalkeeper where they they're slightly off to one side, and it's like totally throwing me off now. So yep. I'm like. 
Do they want me to go in the opposite direction? Or are they like, like it throws a mind That's exactly game what they want to do to you. Yeah, that's and then exact, it's, it's the, terrible yeah. when they're scooted in the direction that I was planning on going to. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's really narrow now. I'm like, damn, do I have to change my mind and go left now? Or do they know that it throws me off? That's a mind game. Yeah, do you do that or not? I've done that a couple times. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's meant... The way what you just did, yeah, it's so meant it to do that. So I'm like wondering, does that guy not know where the middle of the, you know? It's meant to do that. Okay. Yep, that's a that's definitely on purpose. Okay. hundred yeah. percent. I don't like goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's why we just go off to yeah. our own corner. We right. stick together. We do our own training. We yeah. make jokes together. Yeah. That's why we do we go over there because right. you guys just you Everyone's know there's a divide. Yeah. yeah, there's a definite divide. There right? is. How many goalkeepers were on the on your pro teams in Europe? Um, we had. We had three training, mm -hmm. um, one and only two travel. Okay. So you have anywhere between three and four in training. Okay. Um, the other two will train will train and play with a reserve team, mm -hmm. and then two will actually travel with the with the first for the first team squad. So two total were tra will travel two travel teams. Okay. Yeah, two travel. Okay. Mm -hmm. And were you starting? Uh, yes, okay. I was starting and playing. In so was there a little weird dynamic between you and your understudy? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you guys are trained together, practicing together, but right. ultimately she wants her job. And especially with a goalkeeping position, yeah, there's, there's no subbing one. in and out. Yeah, there's yeah. no subbing. Right. Unless it's you hard. Get injured, right. Um, right. Which you hope you don't, but they're kind of banking on you now. Yeah. Um, it's hard being in a because I've been on both sides. Yeah. Um, when I played for you know under Anna Piccarelli, I was 19. It's my first pro team ever. Um, I was playing with players on the national team, Whitney Engen. You know. Wombat would come out. So, I mean, I was just floored to start. And um, and the goalkeeper who had been there for a couple of years was Anna Piccarelli. Okay. She was the Italian national team keeper. Okay. So in this situation, I, and she was 20, 28 at the time. So yeah. in this situation, you know, there's an understanding that, you know, she's clearly the starting position here. Mm -hmm. She's got the experience, the age. Yeah. She's played in World Cups before. So I'm truly learning from her and thankful for it. This dynamic was great. But when you have two keepers yeah. of the same level really competing head same to head. Same place in their career. Same of, place, yeah. same age, yeah. kind of. It gets... It's tough because it's a competitive situation. Right. Right. Fortunately, as you go higher, there's an understanding that it's a competitive, you know, uh, game, yeah. sport, position. There's a there's an understanding that one person's gonna play. So yeah. and and you're more mature as you right. go up, you know, through the pro leagues and you're older, so you're able to understand that it's, you know, for the team. But so basically you kept on telling the girl, Hey, I'm playing, all right. <laughs> Kick back. <laughs> but it's hard okay. because you wanna make each other better. Yeah. And you want to, you know, warm each other up and be friends, yeah. but... It's just a weird dynamic. It's a very tough can't dynamic. can't be roommates and best friends then, right? It's just not, it's not uh, typical. You mean teammates and best friends? Uh, I'm saying the other goalkeeper. Oh, right? yeah. It's... Yeah, the keeper, you know, the first choice and second choice, they're not going to be like roommates. They're usually friends, but yeah. in my experience, I've not yeah. seen a lot of goalkeepers who are going head to head mm -hmm. be best Besties. friends. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. There could be some out there. Right. I've never seen it, and I've been on a lot of teams, and I've seen other teams. It's pretty rare. I've gotten along with everyone, and I'm I, I'm proud to say that I'm definitely friends, and I watch their careers continue forth. And yeah. but it's a it's hard. It's not a forward where you have two, three forwards out there. Yeah. You know, a midfielder, three, four, five. So the com the competition is is harsh as a goalkeeper. Yeah. There's one. That's it. Interesting. So, okay. So now. Uh, what are you up to right now? Because you're in, you know, modeling and fashion world. Yeah. Right? So I've worked with um, 
since I've been back, I've been working a lot more. Um, I've done more on the athletic side. You know, I've did I've done a shoot for uh, Reebok and things like this, and um, I am doing a little bit of the fashion side. Um, but I've always been involved. I've, I have a lot of friends who are in the creative industry, starting either branding companies, clothing companies. I have a ton of photographer friends who have you know work independently. Um, you know, I've got some friends who are models and work with agencies. So. I've just had an interest in this since I was in high school, really. So, you know, I've never really been here consistently in L.A. and been able to do that and be in that world. I've always been traveling, gone on the road. Football's been a priority, so I can't commit to anything because I could leave next week. So then when you were playing abroad and you were, you know actively, uh, you know, active in your uh, footballing career, Mm -hmm. you weren't doing modeling in between or were you? Not during season. I just, it's... I'm, I got to focus on season. Right. There might've been one or two gigs here or there, but okay. as you know, as much as I'm doing it now, no, okay. um, in season, you, like I said, you travel every weekend, yeah. you know, every other weekend. So there's just, you have train, you know, all day and you can't, you when can't you, commit when, to something yeah, else. But when did you actually start uh, like modeling, getting jobs and that? So I actually worked with Nike when okay. I was in high school. Okay. <laughs> um, that's how they, it started? Yeah, that's how it started. Um, okay. They came out for the Women's World Cup mm-hmm. um, and we did, you know, a bunch of their um, their posters and their, their media and, their, you know, we, they had kind of this idea where it was like the next national team and, mm-hmm. you know, I was on that team. How did they find you? Just a... Uh, was oh, it a team or just you specifically? It was just select select players from around, just me, and okay. then other a couple other players. Okay. Um, so they were looking specifically for soccer players. Yeah, absolutely. You got chosen to yeah, their, absolutely. Like, yeah. Campaign. Fortunately, okay. um, my team, my youth team, was very good. Okay. So we had a lot of exposure and played at a lot of Nike sponsored tournaments mm-hmm. and things like this. Okay. Played at StubHub, so you know, just kind of were in the right place at the right time. Okay. Got picked up by Nike, did a shoot for them. It was you know international, worldwide. It was awesome. Um, okay. And then I, I loved, I think, one, I love the creative process. Mm-hmm. I love a bunch of people coming together like a team. And, you know, you've got your photographer, your videographer, you've got your post-production, you've got, you know, you've got the director, DOP, you've got everything. So it's really cool to see all the creative processes come together. And then I loved the pressure of having to perform on camera. You know, if you're doing an acting reel or you're doing a photo shoot or you're running or doing a commercial or whatever... There's a pressure. You only have so many hours of the day of sunlight or time, you know. So I think it just was a similar a similar world, you know, as the athletic world was for me. Similar dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. So then right now you're doing modeling as well, but it sounds like you're leaning more towards like athletic brands. Yeah, I mean, prefer, is that by preference? Of course. I mean, okay. I'm I'm just in an athletic world. Okay. Um, it's been what I've done for the most of my life. Okay. I genu- generally or genuinely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done some other stuff. I've okay. done um, some other some other brands. I've done you know stuff for Etienne Marcel, which is a denim French denim company. Um, I'm going to Panama in two weeks for a music video um, that I'm filming. Um, do, you so, have, do you have an agent? Right now, I, yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally huh? on my own. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like that though. Right. I really, I like scheduling myself. Okay. Um, I like that I have the freedom to pick what I want to do, yeah. and I go to castings all the time. I have a bunch of friends in the industry, okay. casting directors, so they send me out. I see. But so other than that, then how are these other brands like finding you and contacting you? A lot of times, um, I'm sent 
castings uh, by some of my friends who are pretty high up in the industry. I have okay. a couple people who run agency, friends who run agencies, and then okay. friends who are casting directors. So they send me the castings and that they think I fit, you know, the profile for, and then I'll go out for them. Um, but I also, you know, Instagram is a great, great outlet for marketing and social media. I have okay. a lot of a lot of brands contact me over Instagram. Your Instagram? Okay. So yeah. I just I just opened up your Instagram account. Awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> I feel like despite your best efforts, you're getting contacted through Instagram because first of all, you don't really use hashtags at all. <laughs> I don't Barely. at all. I know. What's up with that? You're oh, not, you're it's really, one of those. Are you not good at self promotion? <laughs> oh God, it's calling it, me out. Yeah, or are you like I'm looking at you know some of these? Okay, and, so like this it one doesn't might have be anything on the no hashtag. I don't hashtag. Yeah, so how are they gonna? And then it's not like you're you I don't have hashtag. a huge following because you're I don't. And, and I think they go hand in hand. You're not using any hashtags. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> hashtag not, at all. And then you're not uh, tagging the brands either. Mm, not all the time. No. Yeah. So then, uh, okay. So tell me your thought process behind that. It might just be that I'm not someone who. Um, I I love the world of social media. I think mm. it's cool. I think it's great. I think it's this new, you know, way to build companies and yourself and your own brand. But I'm also not a big person on. You have to love yourself. Self promotion. You told me you have to self love. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes ago self-love I know but self-loving in a game and reassuring yeah. your athletic ability and yeah. what you've worked hard for I think is different than unless I'm taking you know right. modeling as a serious 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 career which as my which primary you are not. which you are not right now I'm still focused on athletics okay. that might change so this is like your second priority yeah is it athletics, number two I would modeling? say yeah okay. I would say I love it. yeah I do love okay. it um, I think you you can self-promote and really do that when that is your primary career but there's a lot of people on there self-promoting to the point where it's almost intolerable mm -hmm. and i just i've never been that person you're not into that. i'm not into that uh it's difficult it's tough for me have you ever had an agency before that you were with no i've okay. always been on the on road with own. soccer i've always been in other states and countries and you know i've never been in a one place right. so it's not been something that i've really been able to you do. You haven't really actively pursued it either. I have not reached out to anyone. Okay. Uh -uh. I would love to. I would love to get that started now that I'm yeah. back here in LA okay. and well, really go for it. Hashtag number one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have. I do have some friends who are incredible at social media and the whole okay. branding thing. Okay. And I've had a lot of criticism and yeah. little tips given to me about it. Um, it's just, it's, it's tough, you know, to really put yourself out there. Not necessarily put yourself out there, but self-promote to an extent of... Okay. Of that. And you know what's also interesting is, is uh, well, I'll continue to look at your, your Instagram account. <laughs> Go for it. Is, yeah. It you is public. Yeah, it is public, right. So I'm not some creeper. <laughs> uh, but you don't have too many of the athletic or athleisure type uh, posts as well, mm -hmm. right? And, and you're saying that's your focus. So that's kind of interesting focus. too, a little mm -hmm. bit, right? Because you have a, yeah. like looking at it, I would think you're... I don't have a lot of soccer stuff everywhere. Yeah, you don't have too much soccer stuff. Mm -mm. What would be the ideal type of uh, modeling or brand type of... Uh, opportunity for me i would yeah. love to be definitely the athleisure where i would love okay. to work for sports brands upcoming sports brands okay. um yoga brands mm -hmm. obviously running brands nike the major corporations okay. would be phenomenal like a brand ambassador would that be ideal for you that or? would be awesome okay. absolutely i would love that okay so then with that in mind though how come you're not doing so uh, as many of those type of i've really you know i don't know social media for me has always been maybe not necessarily a promotion, but more of an expression okay. thing for me. So it's more of just kind of your day-to-day -day life? I would say that it's more more of that than okay. anything. Um, 
it's definitely something that I should I should consider and change as I'm progressively changing more okay. into that world and less of just the player and more yeah. now more of working with brands on the business side, you know, the you know that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, it's something that I'm going to have to kind of move in that direction also. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've always I've always used it as, you know, kind of showing what I'm doing traveling, you mm-hmm. know, and okay. and my and, you know what I'm interested in right. and like I just, you know, posted a thing today of wearing a Tribe Called Quest sweatshirt and mm-hmm. You know, just stuff like that. So, okay. I sh- yeah, I should hashtag. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is your the one that you did earlier this morning. Your makeup artist is there. The, her last name. Uh, yeah, Amy Foyer. Yeah, is she, is, there Foyer. Any, is there a relation? Yeah. With, oh, okay. So she's she the daughter? is his daughter. Wow, interesting. Yeah, and she's okay. really talented. Um, and I'm fortunate to have people that I know that can do that. You know, so she's great. Yeah, okay. she's really talented. So Ian, Ian's her dad, and he's who turned me into a goalkeeper. Yes, he he's the one yeah. that converted you, huh? He converted me, and um, uh, he was the only trainer really I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, he developed me, and then uh, I mean, he's just developed so many goalkeepers, mm-hmm. so so many phenomenal goalkeepers right. over Ian the Foyer, years. Right? Shout out to Ian Foyer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, small world. So it then is. she's she's a makeup artist, and she's his mm-hmm. daughter, and that's just kind of like naturally. Hey, I you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's cool because as I'm you know progressively moving more into that world mm-hmm. and doing a lot more on camera and okay. on video, I have some people that I know and some good friends of mine who can contribute, you know, in a in a really easy way to to what I'm doing. It's kind of like you know a little team. I mean, okay. she's usually who I turn to, you know, for for makeup and hair, and she's great. Um, there's, you know, I have a couple of friends who are f- great photographers. Mm-hmm. Anytime I need anything, um, they're there, you know, and they obviously, um, is that who, are they the ones that are just randomly snapping you while you're strolling through the city? <laughs> That's usually whoever I'm with. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are usually my friends. Yeah, yeah. They're like, a lot of them are like professional. I can't tell if they're just for fun or mm-hmm. they're professional, you know, photography that you did. But then is some it of like, them are hey, Jenny, real quick, can you take a snap? Pretty much. Okay. Some of them are. Okay. Um, a lot of my traveling ones, I usually just go with a friend, you okay. know, and we just, I want to remember where I was. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, take in, you know, how beautiful it was. Like there's yeah. one with a waterfall. It's one of my favorite photos. Mm-hmm. So we had to, we had to hike down to it and I just, you know, had a, her take a couple of photos there. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why I really like um, Instagram in that way. It's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm doing where I'm going I get to look back on it. I get to really take in the places that I go and the people that I'm with in a more appreciative sense yeah. because it's not just I'm in it. I actually am looking at how can I capture this moment? How can I make this moment, you know, as beautiful as it is to me in person? Right. You know, so. Is that your biggest uh, social media platform then for you or your favorite? Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Do you Instagram. use other ones? Do you use Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. You have Facebook like everybody, but you're not that active. I'm on, on Facebook it. just with my friend, like family, friends, okay. and previous teammates and coaches. Right. That's more of a uh, connection, networking okay. thing. Yeah. Um, but as far as branding social media, it Instagram would be Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then looking at it, doesn't it doesn't look like you're a big uh, party girl either, right? No, I'm not. So, not a big girl. so you don't uh, go out crazy into the LA nightlife? I like don't. That, no? What about like premieres and openings and that kind of I stuff? I would say that yeah. the biggest thing that I go out on okay. is live music. I am a live huge, okay. huge, huge music fan. What kind of music? <laughs> it's Heavy a whole metal? other topic. Heavy metal? Um, I have gotten into metal before. Okay. I'm really into punk rock. I love punk. Um, I grew up listening to punk rock, real punk though. Right. And I, then I transitioned very quickly into underground hip hop. Okay. Um, I can totally tell. I'm not <laughs> a fan. I know, right? In all my sportswear. Yeah. You're into, into underground hip hop. Huh? Yes. 
So you like the mumble rap that's been going around lately? Absolutely not. Okay. So you're not into the mumble rap? I am not into anything. Uh, 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 yeah. uh, I'm not yeah, into it. Um, okay. I think I'm not in any rap at all. Okay. Um, into that, you know, hyphy party rap. Not into mm-hmm. it. I appreciate music for its lyrical content okay. and its musical mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, I was into punk at a young age. Just who I was around and picked up a CD. Shaved head or dyed hair? I did have some colored hair. I used to wear... What colored hair was it? um, I had some red. (laughs) I used to wear like bondage pants, you know, spiked belt, bullet belt. I used to wear band shirts, cut them up. The whole shebang, Martins. What kind of shoes? Doc Martens? Doc Martens all the way. Wow, you know, I'm impressed. (laughs) So I was really into punk, really, really into punk. And I still am. I mean, I love punk rock music. Um, Then I moved into hip hop because the message was really the same. It was really anti-corporation, kind of... Um, not anti-society, but anti-conformity, being your own person. It was really political, which I love. I love politics. I think it's interesting. Don't want to get into it. But um, no, it was just the message was very um, individualized. And a lot of it is positive, believe it or not. And underground hip-hop, it's actually really positive, you know, a lot of it. And I just, I love the message. It was took talent to lyrically write some of these songs, to to write without, to write these messages mm-hmm. and put words around a beat without profanity, vulgarity, right. without talking about, you know, some of these, the same things that these topics that these people talk about now and today. Yeah. Almost impossible. It was actually. educational. Yeah. What are some of your favorite artists then? Clearly A Tribe Called Quest is one of my favorite artists. Okay. Q-Tip, Five Dog are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love everyone from um, Pete Rock, CL Smooth. I love, oh man, it's Hieroglyphics. I love De La Funky, De La Soul. I mean, real hip hop, you know. So none of the, it doesn't sound like none of the newer stuff really, huh? Um, I would say that Kendrick stuff? is probably one of the only Kendrick newer hip hop artists that I like. Okay. Um, Logic is another one that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, my, I'm just more into the funky, you know, hoppity beats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really that it's just my ears are just more in tune with it. Okay. I appreciate some of the newer artists. I think um, I think some of them are really good. Uh, Joey Badass is pretty cool. Um, but primarily, I love underground hip-hop. I love old-school hip-hop, 80s, 90s vibes. What about electronic? Because it sounds like, like I don't really go clubbing in as much anymore. <laughs> but you know when you go to like Vegas or whatever, right? You have the electronic yeah. room where everybody's at. Yeah. And then you go to the hip-hop room and it's like me and five other people. Yeah. So that would be me. I'd yeah. be with you. Okay, well, I'm okay with that because <laughs> I, I like hip hop too. Right? There's a really cool. Speaking of going out, yeah. um, there's a really cool hip hop bar. Okay. Um, it's really rare. Called 82. I think it's 82. Bar 82 down in downtown arcade? LA arcade? with the arcade bar. Yeah. That thing's awesome, and uh, they actually play good music. Yeah, they do. And it's rare to find a bar that okay. plays or any place that you know that plays right. quality music. Yeah. So there's a there's a punk bar called Cha Cha's and there's another one called Dark Room and they actually play real good music. They play like Descendants, you know. They play uh, anything from the Smiths. They play Leftover Crack and they play good bands. Yeah. The, okay. I'm surprised you're saying some of these because you must have been like in elementary school when they came out, right? Like the Smiths. The Smiths are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Smiths are great. Yeah. So you're not into electronic then. Um, I appreciate it. I'm, okay. I I love music, so I have my favorite genres yeah. that I listen to on a consistent basis, but I venture into all music, and I appreciate music when it's, in my opinion, composed well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like electronic music. I like more of maybe more of the deeper house music, the slower mm-hmm. music. Um, I'm not really into this, I don't even know what it's called, this pop electronic, mm-hmm. super consistent beat music that they have on the radio. I'm not into it at all. Okay. Um, 
electronic instrumental music is great. You've got Grammatic, who's phenomenal. You've got some of these other, you know, they're, they're great. I love blues and jazz, Miles Davis, amazing. Um, old rock and roll, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty. Um, was never really into the hair metal, but I appreciate it. Led Zeppelin, you know, these bands are great. These are the, obviously the main the main people. So where do you go to these concerts or some of the venues? Mostly in LA? Uh, most of the venues that I end up going to in LA are, um, I would usually go to the Palladium. Okay. They just had Against Me and Bad Religion there. Um, I'll go to the Wiltern, the Mayan, Troubadour. Okay. These are usually the ones that the bands that I listen to and the, the groups go to. Um, but yeah, so I usually, I just, when I go out, I usually go out for a concert. Um, I'll go out for you know, a drink with a friend, but I'm not, I'm not really a partier. I'm not really into the club scene. Okay. I never was into it. I credit, I accredit that to being an athlete during my party years, yeah, you yeah. know, college. Gotta eat clean. You're in season. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't, you can't be going out. You can't go out at, yeah, at night, stay yeah. up till three in the morning and then wake up for morning training at Dropping 6 a.m. And then come and stumbling at 5 a.m. And then. No way. <laughs> yeah. Cause you do that three times. Job, right? You do that three times. Yeah. You don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Let's yeah. put it that way. Okay. Like you just, it's not. You know, at a very young age, I chose a lifestyle on a life and it, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything else because this was a pathway to what I wanted to accomplish in my dream. And it was worth going out and having a couple of drinks with friends because at the end of the day, I can do that for the rest of my life, but you can't play and you can't really use your prime years yeah. to work for that. And sure. an athletic career like anything athletic a modeling is an athletic career because it's physical you know it's your your time you have a time limit so you can't waste it and so along with being drug tested by the ncaa you know there are obviously things that keep you from doing that but it just was never something that really appealed to me okay well you're into you're uh so what are some of the cheap foods that you chocolate be, yeah you're into chocolate <laughs> chocolate is your weakness absolutely okay yeah you eat, it sounds like you're into healthy living and I eating am. clean you have to as an athlete right yeah well you, you like coffee it's too fuel. now right like i coffee? love coffee okay. france france is what really? created my appreciation for coffee okay. yeah Paris? i've spent a lot well i've spent a lot of time in france all okay. over france south is of it france like the, is it the cafe culture kind of thing that got absolutely. you into it the terrace cafe culture yeah, yeah absolutely okay. um they they really know how to eat there. They are very their food is phenomenal in France, but very rich, right? So good, yeah. yeah it's very rich, and it is. But um, you know, I pr probably coffee, baked goods, chocolate, okay. lots of chocolate, some wine, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just I've never really was into eating junk food though. You know, I, I don't. I'm not really big on you know super super heavy junk food drive throughs mm -hmm. Just it might have been how I grew up. Um, the culture of which my family came from, there's not, they don't have any of that there. My family's from Chile, okay. from Chile. You're full Chilean? I am 50% Chilean. My okay. mother and my whole family was on my mother's side. My okay. grandmother was born and raised in, they were born and raised in Chile. Okay. So they came here, she was in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, they came here for a better life because Chile's not, you know, one of the wealthiest countries, but they don't have fast food there really, mm -hmm. you know, at least where they lived in the countryside. It was every, you, you made everything, mm -hmm. which in turn created this cooking culture, you know? And so as I, when I grew up, my mother, she always cooked everything. We never really went out at restaurants yet, but we never really went and got something quick. Right. You know, she was good at, at cooking, you know, whipping something up quickly. Nice. So I think it's so important to teach children at a young yeah. age how to eat right, because that definitely carried through into my adult years. 
And it's a habit that you can't change at that point. Okay, speaking of family then, you have siblings? I have a younger you have a brother. brother. Just the yep. two of you then? Yep. How many years apart? He's 21, okay. so we're four or five years apart. Okay, so yep. he's 21, so you're 26? Mm -hmm. Okay, is he an athlete as well? He played baseball. He did? Yeah, okay. he grew up playing baseball. He's um, tall. And... He's pretty tall. Okay. He now, he uh, played over at Santa Barbara. Okay. He now is finishing his engineering degree. Wow. And I know they grow up so fast. <laughs> and um, he is wants to, he has, you know, hopes of starting his own physical training sports company. So more in the gym, athletic training, um, but not just as a personal trainer, mm -hmm. kind of encompassing a whole healthy lifestyle training. Okay. So he wants to, you know, deal with the nutrition, you know, help with eating plans, help with um, um, lifestyle, help with life, you know, just everything, the mental yeah. side, the spiritual side. Then, of course, the physical side of the actual weightlifting and training and transforming your body. So he's working on that now. That's going to be a long process. But He graduated, though. He is going to graduate this next spring. Okay, wow. Yeah. He's a lot more further along at his age than I was. <laughs> so I had no <laughs> idea what I was going to do. <laughs> Everyone takes their own path. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Okay, interesting. But, right. Yeah, so, so then, he's cool. He's doing, he's doing great. It's good. Good to hear. So 50% Chilean. What about on your dad's side, then? My father is Scottish, Scottish and Spanish. Okay. That's where the so name Torero comes okay. from. Yeah. Right. So um, on, my, on his mother's side, my mm -hmm. grandmother, she's from Scotland. Okay. And then... Uh, you've met, and you've met her? Yeah. She, she's full-on Scottish with accent. She's red hair, everything. freckles. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then um, her husband, my grandfather, is Spanish. So okay. yeah, it's an interesting mix. So what's Chilean, the... Chilean, Spanish, Scottish. Yeah. So what's the home culture life like when you're growing up? Um... Well, my, uh, my, my father was raised here in America, and uh, my grandfather was raised here in America. Both of them came here, I think they were born here or came here at a very young okay. age. So he's like second, third generation. Or so he's second, yeah. third generation American. Okay. Um, is a very old school generation. Um, my grandfather is very, very old school. Okay. So, you know, but he's also really rough around the edges. So he, you know, rode a Harley for his whole life, super into motorcycles. Like, you know, he just was a real tough guy. <laughs> So that translated into my, my father. I learned a lot from my father, you know, from my grandfather. And um, so my, my father's amazing, okay. but very, very tough. Is that where your love of motorcycles comes from? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. You like motorcycles, It is. Right? I do. Okay. I do love motorcycles. I do. A lot of my friends ride also. Okay. Um, I'm a little chicken to do it, though. <laughs> okay. So you don't, you don't ride, though? No, but I want okay. to so bad. So you I'm want just... the guy to ride and you'll be on the back oh, or that... you'll be the one that... I'd rather be in control. I would okay. feel safer at then. So you want him to be on the back? Yeah, absolutely. Or <laughs> okay. just... Yeah, nobody by myself. Okay. All right. <laughs> but um, no, so, you know, um, he was always really tough on me as far as expectations and, mm -hmm. you know, being successful and um, having a good morale and an ethical character and, um, you know, being a stand-up individual. And so my home life on my mother's side, mm -hmm. my mother is just this happy Chilean, just, you know, super laughy and emotional and giggly right. and cooks all the time and just wants to feed you all the time and... Um, she's first generation too. She, she's she, first generation because okay. she came here from Chile. Yeah. yeah. And um, so she brought a lot of that culture with her, which okay. I love that I'm multicultural. I love right. it. That's uh, probably what also stemmed my love of traveling, you know, and created yeah. it. Um, but my father's side is very old school, very strict. Mm -hmm. Not strict, but just very traditional, determined. More traditional? Very traditional. Okay. Um, this created an interesting blend mm -hmm. because depending on what I wanted, I would go yeah. here or here. Right. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, I think that it gave it, right? me it gave me an ability to, you know, I have I had that drive mm -hmm. to an extent okay. to actually 
work for it and, and be focused and, you know, not really sway and not let outside, you know, sources pressure me into anything that would take me away from my dream. And it, I was very traditional and determined in that sense from my father's side. Mm-hmm. My mother's side, it gave me an understanding and uh, of culture and more a better understanding of different people from different cultures and a love of traveling and an openness. Mm-hmm. So I think I was very fortunate to have two different, completely different types of cultures right. growing up. Did she, did she raise you with uh, Spanish in the house at all? My grandmother speaks Spanish. Your yeah, and my mother, my whole family speaks Spanish, yes. Okay. And, uh, but we were, we, were, um, we were taught English in the house. Okay. And that was because my, fa- I mean, obviously, right. my, fa- my father's yeah, yeah. English, but um, my father doesn't know Spanish, so, so that, you know, we could speak with him. But um, like I said, my father is very traditional. And if, you know, to become a U.S. citizen, you had to speak English. It was part of the process, and so he wanted, you know, us our for our first English to be our first language to be English. If we were in France, our first language would have been France or French, you know, and and wherever we went. So, my primary language growing up was English. Um, Spanish was something that I learned from my family, and I actually learned French from my education and from living in France uh, near France in Switzerland. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. so, so you picked it up. Yeah, and then German, I know a couple football directions, but I forgot everything else. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right, how's, all, how's the, uh, the dating life then uh, on that side? The dating life. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, oh, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I was in a wonderful relationship recently with um, a Frenchman that I met when I was playing in, overseas. Okay. And um, we, you know, distance. Those French guys always get the girls, don't they? <laughs> It kind of ticks me off. All right, continue with your story. I'm well, he's a, my uh, <laughs> issues. He's a, I was just in a, uh, probably my only serious relationship, yeah. um, adult serious relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, through college and during my career, I chose not to date seriously um, at all because I didn't want any distractions. I wasn't ready. I was so focused on my career, my athletic career and what I was doing. And I was ready to leave at the drop of a hat. You know, if I got a call to Switzerland three days later, I was on a plane moving there. You can't really sustain a healthy relationship with someone when they're staying still and you're on the go everywhere, at least not at a young age. At an older age, you're more mature. You can handle it. It's different. But as a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, moving to another country, it doesn't work. So I chose in college... Not to. Which, I'm sure your dad was very supportive of that decision, yeah, by the way, right? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he absolutely good job, was. Good job, right? Yes, I fully support you. Okay. Um, I, thought, I think this, for me, was one of the best decisions I could have made because I had no distractions. I had, you know, I was able to make decisions freely without considering someone else because when you're in a, you're in a relationship, right. they become a part of your decision, sure. as it should be, you know? So, um. But, you know, I was in France, and I met a French guy, and all those rules changed, and I had a great relationship with him. Distance took his toll. We did three years long distance. Three years. Wow. Three years long distance. Okay. Because so, you were never in France for an extended period of time, no, right? Okay. No. So, this is when you were in Switzerland. Switzerland and, and Germany, okay. and then I came back to USA. So okay. And then I played here and then traveled with that team. So um, because he was such a great person, you know, it was worth it to try, and we did, and it was successful. Three years doing long distance is a, su- a successful relationship. Not a lot of people can do that. Yeah. It takes a lot of determination and commitment to do that. Was, um, was he an athlete as well? He was not an athlete by yeah. by career. Um, yeah. Very athletic person. I can't really be with someone who's not. You know, um, very athletic. Loved sports. Loved football. Like poet, Arsenal fan. That was our biggest oh, argument. Oh, I see. He's not like a French poet. No, 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 no. But he's okay. an engineer. He's an artist. Okay. Um, you know, he draws, paints. So. 
really great person, just long distance, you know, it, it puts a strain and a toll on your relationship. So that ended. Um, and now I'm really in a place where I'm focusing on my recovery, mm-hmm. focusing on kind of, am I changing gears? I'm really in a transitional period. I don't think it's a good time for me to get in another relationship right now. Um, I'm in a transitional period, kind of rebuilding myself, seeing, you know, what direction do I want to go to go to, you know, after I recover, do I want to go play again? I might be leaving to another country again. I might be staying here, starting a business. I mean, there's just, there's so many, uh, there's a lot of questions in the air right now, which is a very fun, interesting place to be in, but not a stable place for a relationship in my opinion. So for right now, I'm just kind of doing it. But you're open to it though. I'm always, I mean, you're always open to meet yeah. somebody, you know, okay. no, you know, you can't be closed off to it. Right. Um, but I don't think you can be, you should be looking for it either. Right. I think that's so the important. guy needs to, you know, get tips would be pursue, yeah, pursue <laughs> no. right? And Relentless. With chocolate. <laughs> Pretty much. Maybe get you with some good coffee and potentially, a of wine. yeah. Okay. Take me yeah, to like yeah. a fuck off course and I'm yeah. sold. And then, yeah. So I would say, <laughs> the, you know, my advice, the guy would be the guy, whoever's out there would be chocolate. A uh, nice good music concert, yeah. right? And with uh, some wine and some, I don't know, baguettes or That actually or sounds amazing. Yeah, see? <laughs> Do you ever get like weird uh, guys? Uh, DMs? Yeah, DMs on Instagram? Slide in the DMs? Yeah, yeah sometimes. You do? Yeah. Okay. For the most part, and I think this is important for females to listen to. Good. Um, um, as your fellow female, mm-hmm. um, I think the message that you put out there is the message, the message that you will receive. Good, good point. For the most part... Um, Although I'm very open to, I love the female sexuality. I love the human body. I love expressing yourself in what may, what way you prefer. I support it. Um, I think there is a limitation that you should put onto it if you don't want to receive it back. If you want to receive it back, go for it. Right. But the message you put out, you will receive. Right. And for the most part, um, you know, I do work a little bit with photo shoots and fashion, and that can, you know, become a little sexualized and hypersexualized. But I don't necessarily put myself out there in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I try to maintain a sense of respectability right. while still expressing myself as a female. And I think that because I've, I've put effort into finding that balance and remaining, you know, a respectable person in my sense, in my opinion, I don't really get a lot of, you know, unsolicited pictures and really crazy messages. The, 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 the biggest, the worst thing I would get is just, hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. No, somebody just, you know, hey, you know, you're so, you know, I want to hang out with you. You're so interesting. And, you know, can we hang out? Just the pressing. But for the most part, I receive some very kind compliments. I've actually made friends with people all over the world. You know, one one of my friends is in Pakistan, you know, and he loves motorcycles. and, And, you know, he messaged me and said, hey, you know, I don't mean to come off as, you know, intrusive, but I just really wanted to say hi. Like a lot of your interests I line up with and, you know, you're, you just, I've followed you for some while, a, a while now and you seem really down to earth and, you know, I, you don't have to respond. And I responded because you put some effort into it. That's awesome. You yeah. know, like I, I love connecting with people around the world and right. a lot of most 90% out, out of the time, mm-hmm. it's people just being kind and complimentary and respectful. And I think a lot of that is how I put myself out there okay. truly, because I've seen the flip side of girl of people, not just girls, guys as well, who put themselves out there in a different sense and they get back what they put out. So I think it's really how you portray yourself. So what's the the breakdown versus uh, the percentage of unsolicited <laughs> ma- uh, messaging? Messaging, right? The, the disrespectful versus you know right respectful. respectful yeah. Um, you know I I. 
I don't receive disrespectful messages very often. That's good, man. Yeah, okay. and I will compliment the male race because of it. Um, but every so often, you know, there's some crazies out there. Sure. There's always crazies out there. And every so often, it's really rare, though. Um, I would only say maybe not even 10%. 5%, not even, you know. Um, but I also, I don't really tolerate that, you know, on on my actual comments and stuff. If I have somebody who says something vulgar, I'll delete it, mm -hmm. you know, because you're you're entitled to, to say what you want, to, you you know, freedom of speech, your, fir your first right, but I don't have to keep that, and it's my freedom to delete it. I don't have to have that kind of message on my wall. Sure. And I think it's also because, you know, I've been um, – an athlete my whole life and I have a lot of little girls and guy little boys looking up to me you know I'm not just in this in the world on my own I have people looking at me I have people come to my games who know you know come to watch me play and I coach I do a lot of coaching as well with Ian and um, I coach you know athletes from nine years old to collegiate and professional you have to maintain a level of professional of professionalism you can't you know, to a certain extent, obviously you can express yourself the way you want, and, and I'm happy to push the boundaries. I think I'm one of the female athletes who push the boundaries in, in the photography world, in the fashion world, you know, because I do do photo shoots that maybe a lot of other athletes haven't, um, and I'm proud of that, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy to be that person, but I still have to maintain a level of professionalism because at the end of the day, I am a role model, and I'm, I would rather be a role I would rather be in, in this position than not in this position. So I'm thankful to have those subtle, you know, unspoken limitations that I put on myself. All right. So. That's good. Okay. So what about uh, other stuff in the fashion industry that you're working on? Like what are, you know, you said you act a little bit and yeah, you also done. do some fashion industry, right? What, um, what is the pr uh, particular in the fashion industry that you do besides modeling? I just work, I just work with like clothing brands. I'll do like shootings with some clothing brands here okay. and there. Um, but I also have taken an interest in styling and you know potentially making potentially my own line i don't know if that's going to be in the sportswear world like the athletic leisure world or if it's going to be more in just the fashion world but um in high school and this is not a lot of people know this but in high school um i used to make a lot of my own clothes okay. i would go you know to joanne fabrics and go buy a bunch of you know prints that i liked and i would make my own t-shirts and clothes i would follow the cuts of other brands that i liked and right. i would you know well, for, my, for my punk denim. rock style, it's not that yeah. hard, right? You're just ripping things up, right? <laughs> some, How hard is that, right? Some floss, and some tooth floss. In paint. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know way too much. You you ventured into that world, didn't <laughs> no, you? No, I didn't, but like I know no. I know the world, you know? Okay. What kinda, how fast. many holes on your Doc Martens do you have? Like the three hole or the boots? Like, like the well, the tights and the jeans and the shirts, quite, yeah. a, quite a few. And you just okay. floss it up and <laughs> super oi. <laughs> no, I am... Um, yeah, no, I just, I used to make my, my own clothes and I've made, you know, a bunch of my own shirts now that I still wear. And um, I like it. It's not something that I'm actively working on. Yeah. It's kind of an idea in the pro making something in the back, process. Something yeah, back something in back in my may, mind. May pursue in the future. Right. I've always loved it. I love the production around creating the editorials for it, stories for it. I love the branding idea. I really like that. And I'm kind of figuring out what I want to do within that realm. So. Do you find it hard to go between like the two different absolutely. worlds you do absolutely it's pretty it's like this right night and two day. Com vast, vastly different worlds. Yeah. yeah so it is hard to you know your mentality because you're yeah you're not like a feminine player either i've seen you play before by the way oh yeah you're that's not awesome like a, yeah which is probably good you know as at, a player. at urban futsal yeah oh my god you know, really intense like, <laughs> there's girls that even though they're really good mm -hmm. i mean you're not like masculine by the way you know i've seen other girls play and they're they're like 
guy. Oh, I know. know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, then, uh, <laughs> they hit hard. <laughs> yeah, but then you know how some girls, even if they're good, they have like real feminine movements. Yeah. You know, but you don't really have feminine. You have like more athletic movement more than cool. I would say feminine. I take feminine that as a compliment. Movement. I it do. It is a compliment. As right. an athlete, I love yeah, that. Yeah. So then, uh, is it hard to go? So my point is, is there you know two different worlds? It's hard to go between the two back and forth. You forward? know. Yeah. It's not just in the physical sense where it's difficult, yeah. um, and obviously the mental sense, like you know. I'm going, you know, in athletic wear, and then in the afternoon I have a shoot, and it's just a completely different change. Sure. But it's also difficult in the acceptance. Okay. Believe it or not, um, when you're when you're an athlete, mm-hmm. you're expected to have a certain demeanor to an to an extent. You know, you can obviously be more feminine as a female athlete than than others on the right. team. Everyone's different, but. Um, it's a competitive mindset, right? I've definitely, unfortunately, mm-hmm. experienced a lot of scrutiny and some giggling and commentary for photos and and, and work that I've done. Mm-hmm. It's not something on the athletic world in, in the, the athletic, athletic world, world from the okay. athletic world oh my gosh, about you're, you know a, taking a, mo- a photo shoot with a person. A bag right? Oh, you're in a bathing suit and yeah. all this and that. You okay. know. So they're, they're trying to. Well, take it's you just serious. I think it's so different for them that they that it's just they're not used to it. You know, because somebody that can compete with you and hit you on a field. All right. And not cry about it yeah. can also be this feminine person yeah. and and get attention in a different way, yeah. athletic respect and a, and a different type of attention. And, and so until you totally cross over like Alex Morgan, and then it's just like a given. Well, right? you know, she's also you know got massive amount of following and exposure, but yeah. I guarantee, like you know, there's a lot of and I know a lot of the girls on the national team personally, yeah. and there's still scrutiny. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's because still, no matter what level you're at, there's always going to be people that are always, hating on it. And always, kind of not always. Yeah. Um, so that's something that was really, really hard for me as a, as a young athlete. Now I'm, you know, older, more mature, more confident in myself as you grow older, you become this, you know, but as an, you know, 19, 20 year old, 18 year old, it was really difficult for me because here are people that I look up to as a young player, some of these national team players and some of these phenomenal players that I aspire to be. And I respect them and look up to them so much and here, you know, my other interest is not necessarily fully accepted. That's a tough dynamic to deal with. That's a really th- difficult thing to balance because I, you want to impress these people. Sure. You want to perform for them on the athletic field with and against them. And then another aspect of your life, you know, it's not accepted. It's difficult, you know. Um, and then, you know, so you really have to find a place within yourself where this is what I love to do and, and it's me. It and and I'm just going to own what, what I am. Awesome. And that's what I've developed into. And um, the, on the flip side? On the flip side, it's yeah. also interesting. Okay. I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. and this is something that I f- have found surprising. It's more acceptable from that world, from the fashion, photography, very feminine world, than from the athletic world. And you would think it would be different. Yeah. You would think it would be different because this is such a highly critical world and the f- physique you know, of, of how people look and are. Um, and the athletic world, you would think, would be less concerned with that and yeah. more just about athletic ability and yeah, they don't care. Yeah, that would be the opposite. In my experience, it has not been. Um, I've actually received a lot of interest because I'm an athlete, you know, because I can do both. People are interested because it's different. It's different. Not everyone, you know, played over the world, around the world and was a professional athlete and has competed with people and play in the World Cup and then can go do a photo shoot. It's just, it's so different for them that it's intriguing and interesting and they appreciate the fresh of breath air, I think. Um, and they also, I think, find different ways to use me. I mean, I'm, I can do a running shoot and not look goofy because I have the physique and the length and the lankiness of a model, but I'm coordinated, Mm -hmm. you know? So they, I, I just, I've actually received 
or more widespread acceptance mm-hmm. from this world than the yeah. athletic world. And that is something that is interesting to me and yeah. obviously should change. But Okay, quick question then. Would you ever do uh, an ESPN The Body Issue? Absolutely. You would? Absolutely. Okay. And just for I the fans out there who they don't know what that is, it's because uh, if yeah. they don't, it's it would be athletes that pose in the nude, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. They don't show anything really. But, no, yeah, they covered, don't. Yeah. I think to become that level of an athlete mm-hmm. where you're being featured in ESPN Body Issue... Mm-hmm. The level of dedication and just uh, how you prioritize your life is so, it's on another level. It's so intense. It's so, it's impressive. It's just, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. The athletic body, the fe- the human, female, male, human body is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, it's, um, well, and some, some people's bodies, not everyone. <laughs> yes, it's true. ESPN, the body issue, yeah. they're beautiful. Like, I would, the guys that would the just be, yeah. yeah, they're just, they're powerful. Yeah. Beautiful, it doesn't even work. Powerful yeah. is the word. Yeah. That would be an incredible experience. Right. It would be, I think, just really uplifting, you know, as an athlete, you know, just as a female athlete to be, to be, be able, be able to show all the hard work that you've put forth that has your body is your is your working mm-hmm. utensil in your work you know yeah. so it'd be, it'd be great to showcase that I, I think it would be just the coolest thing yeah. <laughs> espn yeah just in case they're you know watching, <laughs> right yeah candidate 2017 <laughs> uh, do you prefer heels then or do you prefer like i have so many high heels it's crazy so you're like a girly girl more so than a you know that yes um i'm either in and it's totally it's just like my two worlds i'm either in athletic wear with sports shoes usually all nike Mm -hmm. or i am in high heels dress something something fashion something some brand that i absolutely loved something yeah i'm completely Two different worlds. Right. Yeah. Because okay. some athletes, even though they dress up and they wear heels and that, they're not comfortable and that's not their normal getup. Right. But for you going out, oh, you would love to. I love like it. getting up, Absolutely. Up and I do it all the time. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I follow, you know, lines and brands that are put out, you know, mm-hmm. li- I follow all the lines. I follow a lot of the fashion shows, New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. I love it. Milan Fashion Week. Um, I love, I, I, I truly love it. I love it's the like expression. Half, of half it sounds like, right? I mean, right now you're still yeah. continuing to pursue your professional footballing career, yeah. but it sounds like in terms of your lifestyle and your interests, it's almost like right in the middle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's been an interesting dynamic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I have to prioritize, um, because I can't necessarily, I mean, I can do both, but I can't do both hundred percent equally well, yeah. equally well yeah. because this requires ton of commitment, full-time job, you know, the fashion side and modeling and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, oh, excuse me, and traveling. You travel with this all the time. Right. I can't do that and then travel for football. You know, it just doesn't work. So I've gladly prioritized athleticism. Mm-hmm. That's what I worked for my whole life. Is that changing? It could. You know, I'm kind of in that transition place where I can see myself leaning more towards this side now, you know, but I'm still... At the end of the day, I'm still capable. I'm still young. I can still play. And as a goalkeeper, the longer you stay in the game, the better you are because the smarter you are, the more experience you have. Right. A goalkeeper especially is a fine wine, especially yeah, a goalkeeper. Yeah. Your yeah. best goalkeepers are the oldest ones. Yeah, they play always. well into their 30s. Yep. Yeah. So now that I'm, you know, I've coached for so long now and I've played for so long and I'm no longer that rookie 19-year-old goalkeeper, you know, it, it, it makes you want to really see what you can bring to the table as a 26-year-old, 27-year-old keeper. It's a different game. You play smarter. So right. we'll see. That's good. 
Yeah. All right. What What do you have planned for the next like six months to a year? Then, what are your future goals and plans? You have? Six months um, recovery right. rehab right now. Just working on getting my back back to normal. Um, for a year, I'm probably still going to be in that process, but I'm definitely going to be working more with you know the fashion side and um, doing more shoots and stuff. Since I have the time now, I'm going to be doing you know devoting more of my time to that. I can't really play right now, so. It's almost a window of opportunity for me right. to really see where that can go. Okay. Um, as f after a year, it really depends how well you know my pursuing of that side of things goes, um, and how well I recover physically. Um, you know, if I'm going to play this summer in the USL Pro, we'll see. I've already talked to Carlos, the manager of Santa Clara Blue Heat, and I'm kind of you know I've got to see where I'm at. So. A lot is on the table. Um, there's a lot of different options in front of me, which is a cool thing. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, I don't really know which direction I'm going to go, but I see some things lay out in front of me, and it really just depends on how my recovery goes. Right, right. So, yeah, that's first and foremost. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Okay, well, wish you the best of luck. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for coming out today. Yeah. It was an awesome conversation. Absolutely. All right, thank you guys for joining us on the Urban Pitch Podcast, The Beautiful Game of Life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.